Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, you're welcome to the Shagulala Salami Show. It's the Virtual Cafe. It's a good day to do amazing things, um, and I hope you know you're having a lovely day. Um, I was here a little while by myself. I wonder if anyone's here with me. Have I got anyone here now? Hello, can anyone hear me? Am I just here by myself? I can hear you. Hello. Oh, hi there. <laughs> I was wondering for a second if I was here by myself. Um, hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, the phone keeps unmuted, muted, so I think that's why I keep cutting out for some reason. But um, yeah, good, thank you. Fabulous. Well, so tell me, what's your name? Because I don't think I've seen you in my cafe before. No, my name's Donna Maria McCarthy, and I live in England. Nice. Whereabouts in England do you live? In Basildon, which is just outside Southampton. Um, um, it's quite a nice country here, quite quite nice. It's, not, it's nice to be near the city, but it's, it's also nice to be back and on to open fields and forests, so that's quite nice. Cool. You know what? I'm feeling quite loved now because I don't normally get a lot of people in the UK, even though I live in London, I find that I get a lot of love from people, you know, across the ocean in America. So last week, um, the other day, not last week, the other day I had um, a Yorkshire man come on. So it's like, I'm feeling quite nice that people in London or in the UK are showing me some love. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I love so Yorkshire. I, lo- I went on a road trip around Britain, and Yorkshire was my favourite place to visit. I loved it, absolutely. And I loved the people there, too. They're such brilliant people. Oh, that's nice. I'm sure that gentleman would like to hear, would love to hear that, because he's actually relocated um, to America. Um, so tell me, what do you do? Like, I know you, you write books and stuff, but what books do you normally write, or what genre do you normally write? Um, I always write in gothic horror, and it's always set in 18th century. But the one I'm writing at the moment, my work in progress, is set in medieval England, so I've gone back a few hundred years. Um, but um, it's always gothic horror, um, and I just I, I feel comfortable. I think um, I think when I left school, I fell in love with the classics, so I fell in love with that style of writing. So my, so whatever I write now seems to come out a little bit gothic and a little bit um, that way. So um, yeah, so I do enjoy writing a bit of horror. You know what? It's actually quite um, interesting chatting with you because as you were talking, I was remembering my conversation with this Yorkshire man, you know, because I was asking him, you know, about what goes on in the mind of an author who writes horror stories because I think it takes a special kind of person or skill to be able to write, you know, really scary stories. So I'm guessing, you know, it's sort of the books that you read when you were younger that kind of influenced your writing now. Is that right? To definitely, know? especially especially Bram Stoker. Definitely, it was an enormous because obviously you don't you don't read that at school that, that sort of literature. So at mm. sixteen, I was it was just uh, somebody bought me um, Bram Stoker and I was completely taken by it and um, it was all very exciting. Um, uh, so um, I think definitely, and I think if you're going to write whole, you need to be able to distance yourself completely from the subject you're writing about. I think some people would find it quite traumatic to write it, but if you can completely distance it, like, like say you've got a um, balancing a ball on your head and that's the horror subject, if you can do that, then I think you can write horror. But I don't think you can do it if you feel it too much. If you feel if you if you if you're too emotionally connected to the subject. Hmm. 
sounds like because I I've thought about it um, and I just cannot because every time I I thought about it and I think about the things that I was going to write and I'm like oh that sounds too scary I can't even put that on pen and paper. I bet you could though. I bet you could because the things that really scare you, it's it's sort of really get an enormous adrenaline rush when you're writing it and I often read. I've I've got a thing I do. I never read my books when I finish them. But um, recently I've been reading through a few of them and I'm just like, oh, brilliant. I absolutely love writing that. And um, it's, it's a funny thing, really. I don't think I could write anything other than horror. It seems to be the thing I'm sort of my, my, my bent. That's what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. Interesting. No, I'm too much of a worst. Like the, the idea is, you know, when I think about it, the, 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 everything just keeps replaying themselves in my head. And I'm like, no, I'm too much of a worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too much of a word. But tell me, so which, um, you know, how long have you been an author now? Um, well, I suppose I started writing in my 20s, but obviously with in your 20s, you're going out all the time and enjoying stuff. So I didn't take much notes. Journals and journals of really intense poetry that nobody would be interested in except for me. Like you do when you're young, you're very intense, aren't you? But writing books, I've been about five years now. My mm. first one was The Hangman's Hitch, um, and then it was The Meddler. I've got Biddy Trot coming out soon, and then I'm writing one at the moment, which I'm not going to give the title for, because that would be giving it all away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's that sounds So how many books have you written so far? I've written one, two, three, three books, one short story, and I'm on my fourth at the moment, about a quarter of the way through my fourth. And are they all? Um, are they, do they all have a horror theme? All have a horror theme, yes, yeah. And I've recently, um, I've I've recently um, become a, um, a hellbound pure blood, so that I've left my um, British publisher, who were very good to me and took me on in the first instance of my debut, but they um, they um, relinquished me from my contract, so I could become um, not be a muggle anymore and be a hellbound pure blood. So I've joined Hellbound House. Oh, well, I guess just the name of the publishing house, you know, it sounds very, very your thing. You know, your thing, like, you know, they, they, they would use guests, right? Yeah, it's all dark fiction, which really suits me. Um, my previous publisher were generic in as much as they publish everything, which was great for a debut author to get taken on. But um, mm-hmm. to, to have my books all under one dark fiction publishing house is awesome it's absolutely brilliant for me I'm, I'm absolutely delighted I have got a short story coming out soon with them as well in an anthology which which I'm looking forward to as well no that sounds that sounds truly um amazing um so would you like to do a reading of one of your books for us today let's just get into your mind and see you know what what sort of things you write Okay, well, I'm going to read the prologue from The Meddler. This is quite a complicated beast, this book, so I thought I'd read the prologue. If I, if I chose a chapter in the middle, nobody would ever know what I was talking about. So um, it's, it's, it's subtitled A Sort of Fairy Tale. It's very, very dark in places, but if I read the prologue, then um, I won't bore you too much with my um, terrible reading. But <laughs> I'll go now, yeah? Go on, then. Start now. So it's called The Meddler, right? And the prologue. Right, so. Okay, fabulous. In the mysterious hours that keep watch of our dreams, where inky black bells conspire with the stars, and the moon at Ebiak caresses the wings from the wiser cell to the tenacious but misguided moss, 
a figure as though born of the moon, sat by a lake with undefined origin, as could have been man or beast. And that's luminosity highlighted all about it. Still, there would be much speculation to which beast it belonged, and therein was the problem, for it belonged to us. No beast of earth could capture the attention of this creature as we do, and its place amongst the other guardians of the night was, to, was real, if not touched by the supernatural. Mysticism surrounded them all, of course, but only by our creation, and was said to thrill on cold winter nights, to fill voids where some touched by tragedy wish for there to be more than just the heaven, wish for something more tangible. Absolutely, you might be forgiven for thinking it purely just that, but you would be wrong and still fantastically lucky, perhaps, to have spied it. Pray, then, that it was only in your dreams, something you had conjured. For it belonged not to evil, that's an ill-educated assumption. It belonged to the in-between, where there can be no laws, only those that govern your conscience. Surely a preoccupation of such as you and I. And, Mark, there is no hereafter in the in-between, no beginning and no end. You must then see this creature as innocent, for it is only by influence, good or bad, that it can exist. A lack of conscience is sometimes vilified more than understood. But if there is more to the conscious and less to the one deprived of it, then it is by our creation, and perhaps you might be more careful of dreams and secret aspirations. Who do you tell them to, if not to this creature? So be sure of its presence till the earth takes you, and be sure that we are not simply governed by action. A human is nine parts flesh, but not whole without thought, a more substantial quality <laughs> than you might think. And so here is where we must begin, for it would be a very confusing affair, in fact impossible to know the exact point that this meddler first took a dream or a wish, and for good or bad nurtured it to fruition, found sustenance in that which we toss aside every day as either impossible or unwholesome thoughts, and was blessed enough to be able to realise relative success, though it may have left us reeling. Either way, the fear you feel at these points in time is very real, and so should it be, for you are aware, there can be no doubt, that you indeed make offerings to something. And as your instinct told you beware, your conscience told you it was too late. Wonder then that if a court were ever to scrutinise an instinct, it may well take a stern view of those who disregard it. And that's it, that's the prologue to it. Hello? Sorry. Hello. <clears throat> yeah, hi, sorry. <laughs> that was really quick. Sorry, I, I muted my mic because uh, I, <clears throat> I was having a bit like, for some reason, my throat just suddenly <clears throat> didn't seem clear. So I, I muted my mic because I didn't want to be coughing whilst you were reading. No, I woke up with the flu this morning and I'm completely dosed up with sips and everything there is on the planet because I'm at work as well, so um, I've got the flu really badly, but, um, you know, I just thank God for Lemsips, basically. Yeah, thank God. I think I'm feeling sort of, <clears throat> I'm not being as bad as I could, because normally my little human, she goes to nursery and she brings germs in, and then, you know, for some reason, her immunity, you know, just makes sure that she can, she only gets very minor symptoms, whereas I'm the one, you know, who ends up being like someone who's just been knocked about and knocked left, right and center. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to just close my eyes and get her the flu jab, well, flu spray. So she had it, and thankfully, she's not brought much more germs <clears throat> home. So this was just a nice little tickle, you know, in my throat. So I'm hoping that it goes, it goes away um quite soon well the prologue sounded you know quite interesting um but now i'm gonna to have to do an elizabeth twist i mean can you read from chapter one for us yep i can so 
Strike from Spine, chapter one. I had actually what happened was I wrote this down. Oh, okay. And now I've got to try to find the book. Hang on a second, let's see if I can find it. So, chapter one, I had got some notes on it, some of it anyway, so I can read a bit of, bit of it for you if you want me to. Okay. So, the, the, the town is, the town that this is set around is um, a gothic town called Hare's Folly, which transpires was actually, um, became called Hare's Folly because people called it Hare's Folly, like, be careful, there's danger here, sort of thing, but people start calling it Hare's Folly. So, if I start here, which I've got some notes on here, um, this progressive little town throbbed a beat of hard work on the soles of feet, but still had its secrets. One in particular, far from law and goodness. Fate of ritualistic slaughters, mainly of small critters, household pets and such like, had dogged this town, had dogged its people, who on the surface seemed wholesome, even puritanical, at least that's what they preached. One woman's, one woman's clothesline had been pegged with rat's guts, torn from within, a full washing line. Speculation went from Weaver Smith, the town's scallywag, who survived and got credit for, through some circles on the promise of men's purses. So a debt was he that he could secure an advance on one day's endeavour, but he never had the heart. I can't. I, I'm sorry, but I didn't have enough. I didn't have all the things with it. But I've, I've got some of this. Um, <clears throat> uh, most thought not. Most preferred. <clears throat> most preference went for a mythical cat. As big as a bear born of a butcher and baker and belonging to the witch that circled the town at night, crying from bleeding ears at rattling of doors and banging of locks. Now most expected some gruesome activity, and if your dog was missing, would not be far for more than a day, and it would be found hanging from somebody's washing line. It just it isn't actually the book, but these are notes I've got on the book. So, um, um, and now I've got, so it's, it's a bit too short. I didn't realise I'd be reading from chapter one. I decided to read the prologue. Um... The Reverend Bell Baker, a learned man, philosophy student, in fact, warned that any capable of such atrocities was for sure young and for sure would grow worse, and that when the shock waned, so the atrocities would increase, and warned all to be vigilant, introspection should be applied. Children, he said, <clears throat> when born, children, he said, when born are the most angelic of all, earthly creatures close to the Lord, the angels are chosen amongst them. Lucifer, therefore, is ever present. Why, you may ask yourself, would he bother with any of us? Of course he would not. And his disciples are selected from the very same nursery. And I'm loath to say, is those left too long after tea? A satiated child fed your softest suet pudding laced with liquor is not necessarily a happy and safe one. No, indeed, it is at times like this when we are, when we are at rest that Satan is amongst us. And, one edu and only education and nurture can make this attraction wane so i didn't know i'd be reading from chapter one but these are a few notes i've got on my phone um from chapter one so i quickly read those for you it's about all i've got on my phone because i normally write on my phone so um but i did have the prologue there sorry i didn't realize i'd have to read more <laughs> no that's 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 fine um okay. well that, that sounds like one, a you know interesting interesting little book um and how long is it? Like how many pages? <clears throat> it's around. It's it's well, it's fast enough. Oh, I can't hear you now. Can you turn up your mic, please? Yeah, can you hear me now? Um, you sound Hi. quite faint, but maybe it's my laptop. I don't know. It's around two hundred pages. Um, 
but maybe that's because I was looking at notes on my phone that you couldn't hear me. It's around 200 pages. Class is a novella, but it's quite a big novella, so um, it's about 200 pages. There's lots of okay. and things and um, some terrible atrocities happening and things. It's very sad in the end as well. So It's actually out of my comfort zone because the other books I have, I have, I have written have been pure horror, gothic horror. This has got quite... A, a moral element to it. Um, not that I'm the most moral of people, but it just came out that way. <laughs> I know because stories just have a way of telling themselves. You know, sometimes you don't think you're going to do something, and then you know the characters just tell you, "Well, this is what I'm going to do," or "This is how I want you to write me." Yeah, they absolutely do, don't they? They also almost become your alter ego, um, and you can't help but write that way. Like a, it's like a fever, isn't it? It takes hold, and you just—that's how you write. But um, since the medal, I've gone back to um, pure gothic horror. But I did enjoy it, and it did need to. I, I, I initially just wrote the first page, and and then I knew I had to write the book. So I, I think when you finish a book, I don't know if you get this, but you you get a time down when you think I'm not going to write, but then you can't stop thinking about the next book. And when the idea comes, no matter how long you said to yourself you're going to have like a month off. You can't. You have to just start writing again. Yes, yes, yes. No, I totally, I totally understand. Um, you know what you mean. Um, so, if someone wanted to get into writing horror stories, um, you know, what tips would you give to the person? Um, I would say they first of all is not. Is, if they definitely wanted to write horror, and that's all that's in their head. I, I love to read horror. I want to write horror. Then I would, um, this is, all writers are different. For me, it was literally, I had one idea. Um, I normally get one word and that inspires me and then I build a story around one word. But I had an idea and I just wrote page. I didn't give myself any pressure. I thought, if it becomes a story, that's great. If it becomes one page, that's great. But I just, page page after page, if you want to write, write your first book. If you want to write, don't feel pressured into thinking, like, if you go on social media, you might see lots of things. Um, people write books in six months. They don't normally write their debut in six months. I think, especially with your debut, just enjoy it. And just don't think, at the end of this, I'm going to definitely try to get it published. If you think at the end of it it's brilliant and you want to, that's good. And with horror, um, I would say um, it's more what you suggest. Well, it is to me. I prefer to suggest things. Although... Um, I've written, I've, I've read some some gory books as well, and I still really, really enjoy them. But for me, I like the power of suggestion. I like to play with people's minds in my books, and um, so there's so many different ways to write horror. So many, it's, it's like genres within genres with horror, and they, and they 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 skip over other. So you might get crime fiction that becomes horror, or you might get fantasy that becomes horror, or comedy that becomes horror. It's such a yeah. um, like a malleable subject. It's so. It's excellent. I think horror is excellent. It can it can transcend any any genre really. Yes. No. No. That that truly that truly sounds um, amazing because even in fantasy, you know, you can get you know you can get an element of horror in it. I guess it just depends on how the characters tell the author to write. You know, the author, you know, we're usually just the pencils, right? You know, the characters are the ones who are telling us, well, this is what you've got to write. Yeah, absolutely, they are. Um, 
And I always think that it, if, if you're going to write a book, it should completely consume you. And then it will be, not that I can say that I've, I've written any brilliant books, but from my experience of other authors I've read, when, it, when they've been consumed by a book, they're always the best books. If the book's laboured, then I think it almost transcends off the page. If it's somebody just trying to constantly to have books and books and books, um, the, the, my, my personal view is they're not normally excellent they're not normal you can normally sense that their, their, their heart isn't in it if you know what i mean um but yeah horror is brilliant i mean even black romances i mean they can have horror in them i mean um did you see the film what was its film called um oh pulp fiction when they're in the diner and the girl walks in and she says everybody here freeze i won't say the word because she swears but it's like a romance in pulp fiction, and it's just so hilarious. I actually love that scene. I've got it on my phone, saved on YouTube. I think it's one of the funniest, scariest, brilliant. I, I think pulp fiction was, I think Quentin Tarantino is excellent. I think he is superb. I think he's defined an era, really. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think as far as that goes, you know, there's Quentin, but then there's somebody else who, like, I, in my mind, I always think of I'm going what goes on into, into, you know, what goes through your mind? You're a special kind of human being, right? And that's M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know if I pronounced his last name correctly, but do you know who I'm talking about? Who is it? M. Night Shyamalan. Let me go on Google and see if I can actually pronounce it correctly. M. Night. Yes, it's Shyamalan. I think that's it. M. Night Shyamalan. Like, I just think goes on through your mind. He's like, you know, he's an, um, you know, director, screenwriter, author, producer, and he does a lot of supernatural um, plot in his movies, um, which is just, you know, so he was the first guy that I thought to myself, wow, what goes on through your mind? Because I've watched a couple of his movies, right? And I was, I don't want to say I was scared, but yeah, it, it got me a bit, I had to sit up price and think about it properly. <laughs> Do you know what? They're fascinating people, aren't they? And it's like John Carpenter. I mean, um, what? The, I, I think they're absolutely fantastic, um, almost works of art. Uh, but you, you do. But then I, then I have to think. Well, what goes on in my mind? And I think I'm a really normal person, but I write these really terrific things. <laughs> I mean, I know, and I'm, a lot of it's got comedy in it. I mean, I actually make fun of really horrific scenes and. Um, so what is that? <laughs> is it some form of some form of I don't know, but um I actually I wrote a blog piece once and I said one day um horror um horror authors and horror directors and producers will be had up before beaks to see what goes on in their heads all the time because um I think we've we've been pretty lucky and safe at the moment. I think if anybody ever got hold of any of our minds but then you could say that about other people, couldn't you? So you could say that about anybody really but um, I do love it. I can't help it. I love it. It's a real passion for me. I know. But that's the thing, though. I think for people to be able to deliver such quality things, you know, you've got to have passion, right? And that's why the characters speak to you. Um, and that's why when it comes up, people just go, wow, how, what goes on through your mind? How did you, how did you get to, you know, to this point? Um, but now I'm almost curious. I'm almost looking for spoilers, you know, from the meddler. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, um, with the meddler, it's um, it's 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 literally it starts off quite tame, but there's always always a power of suggestion, and then it becomes incredibly 
horrific and quite quite gory, quite bleak in places. Um, with even though there is a moral element, the the, the the characters who are trying to rectify what's happened become quite horrific in themselves and the things they do. So um, it's quite a shock. And the reviews have been really good for it. You never know, because I, I, as I said, I won't read any book that I've written. Um, James Longmore at Hellbound told me off for that because where he's taken on the hangman, it's the medinary, so that I have to go go through and um, make sure there's no unnecessary punctuation in there. So he's, he's brilliant at it, but um, so I do have to read them again. And I'm actually enjoying reading them again, but um, with a spoiler for the medal, I suppose you could say it's got so much in it and the end is a shock and very sad, but it's um, it won't. It's, it's it, although it's the subtitle is a sort of fairy tale. It's in no way for children. In no way. Um, there's some some pretty horrific scenes in there. Um, I actually enjoy writing that the best, isn't it? Awful. Just somebody actually asked me on Facebook once when I first started out. They said, like you said a minute ago, what goes on in your mind? And I was really embarrassed and I didn't know what to say. And I'm, I'm used to it now, but I was so. Embarrassed, I think I just didn't answer her in the end. Yeah, no. Because like she's thinking it was kinda of like, um, how let me see. There was a there was a, um, there was someone who came on the in the Virgin Cafe once, you know, and he said that he received he, he um interviewed a serial killer. So someone left a comment oh, and wow. said, you know, Yes, and said, what would you do if you received a letter from a serial killer? Um, you know, so kind of like, you know, all these gory things. You see, <laughs> so what I'm going to ask you know is going to sound really, really bad, right? <laughs> it, I, 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 but, so I said to somebody recently as well, I watch all these um, late night true crime programs. And somebody said, why do you watch them? They're so gory and horrible. I said, because it's... I'm watching sociopaths at a safe distance. So I'm not going to prison to get to know. I'm on watching on TV, <laughs> so I'm quite safe in my bedroom. <laughs> but I'm, yeah. I am sort of addicted to them because they're brilliant character studies. I love those uh, when you get to know these because they're not people really. These people you, you can't really class them as people. They're like um, they're like modern day monsters, really. I suppose. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 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 I do watch these people at a safe distance. I couldn't. I don't think I could ever go to a prison or. Um, something like that, and talk to um, serial killers and things. I don't think I could do that. Yeah, but would you would you say to that you know when you were creating the gory scenes and all the really uh, things, would you say that you know it's stuff you've imagined before, right? Because it's kind of like you know with a serial killer, for instance, you know from what you read or what you hear about serial killers, you know sometimes they plot through their head and they imagine the different ways they're going to kill somebody, and then you know they start really really small before they get more confident, but they've gone through it scene by scene by scene in their head, and thing is we're normal people and we're not going to go about doing gory things you know do you find that you you know these are things that you've thought about so much or not maybe not so much but it's stuff that's gone through your mind and then you know you were just able to just put them down on paper I think it was um I've addicted to horror films all my life Uh, not so much nowadays there's a few I think that come out a year that are are classics but I think there's a lot out there that aren't, they're just complete gore. Um, and with me, it's always the things that scare me the most that I want to find out more about. So um, so I suppose that's why I like horror films and I like horror books and things. Um, so it's not necessarily things I've thought about a lot. It's, it's I've, Whenever I start, 
um, with the hangman's hitch, there's a scene where somebody's hanging and somebody pulls them down to make them hang quicker, hangs on their legs. And I had to find out how long it takes for a person to hang, hang and what happened to their body whilst they're hanging. Wow. So that was fascinating, but also horrific. And um, the book I'm writing at the moment, it's, medieval times were brutal. I mean, the, some of the tortures and the way they kill people, and obviously there was no law, um, it was um, to find out. I love research. I love researching them, but I also I research them as I go. So I wait for the idea, and then I research as I go. I don't necessarily go into library and think, well, I'm going to write a book a set of medieval times I want to research. I had the idea for the book I'm writing at the moment, and now I'm researching as I go, which is um, it's horrific actually. People, you know, people say, oh, I wish I lived in old times. It's so romantic and lovely, and everything. <laughs> I would not want to. We are so safe now, so safe. Definitely, definitely. I think the 21st century is definitely the best century to live in. I could not, I mean, I, I don't even mind too much the other things, but I cannot imagine not having modern-day toilets. No. God, they used to throw it out the windows. How awful. I don't know, it's just, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I like, I like having no. modern-day toilets and being able to sit down and do your business. Quietly, peacefully, exactly. and what the public would allow you. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine? I mean, you'd actually have been bold, bold as brass, literally, in those days. To just, um, and they they very, very rarely washed, and most of their clothes were stitched onto them. So you can imagine. I mean, disgusting. Um, all these things we take for granted. Down. I know people say things like, "Oh, it's, it's a terrible time we live in." It is not. We have come on in leaps and bounds. I mean, we progress. Every century we've progressed massively and we're in a much safer world now than we were then. You couldn't literally walk out of your door with fear of being knifed or something in those days. Um, and nobody would stand up for you if you were. So um, look how we've come along. I would not want to go back. I love reading about it. I love fantasizing about it, but I would not want to go back. I wouldn't time travel oh, back. No, definitely not. You know, I like all the modern conveniences that we have. I like my microwave. I like my washing machine. Imagine, you know, think about how hard, you know, life is. And I feel, I really feel for women back in the day, you know, you have to sort out the children. Then you now have to be washing all the clothes, you know, with your hand. And it's like, it was never ending. You know, at least now you can just stick all your clothes in the washing machine and, you know, get, get a bit of free time to do something else. Exactly. And think about it. So you'd probably be hungry most of the time because me and you probably wouldn't have been rich. So we probably would have been hungry most of the time. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't we? I mean, can you imagine and not being having every glass of wine at night or something, coming in and thinking, well, I'm going to you couldn't have that then. And that's another thing I found out. They couldn't drink the water, so they used to drink alcohol all the time. So you can imagine your liver. Horrendous. I know, I know. It's ridiculous. But yes, no, it's it's good to fantasize and, you know, think about these things and look back at them and smile and think, oh. But yes, no, I definitely don't want to live in that era. <laughs> no. And the dresses. Can you imagine the corsets all the time? Horrendous. I couldn't bear that. And I was like, you almost, you almost, you know, I think there was something um, that I heard or read or something, you know, that some people, they want to look like those days. And so some women actually went to take out um, one or two rib bones um, to just give them that muscle. Sorry? I heard that as well. Can you imagine that? I know. I have I have no idea what goes on in some people's mind, but you know what? I am happy in my twenty first century. 
and I will read your books, you know, to give me an insight into the scariness that was, you know, in those days. But yes, you know, I'm, I think I'm, we're quite similar that I do like, I do like the 21st century and I will not try to mimic anything that happened in those days. No, I'm definitely not going to time travel. I'm definitely not going to time travel back there. I am definitely, but I wouldn't. If, even if they invented the machine, I wouldn't. And I said, maybe it's sort of safe. I still don't think it'd be that pretty to go and visit anyway. I think it'd be everything we've learnt from books and TV and everything. I don't think, I, I, I don't think, well, for a writer's point of view, I think it's more fascinating getting, fascinating getting inside somebody's head rather than what's literally around them, if you know what I mean. It'd be, yeah. you know, I think maybe getting inside somebody's brilliant head, that'd be good. But um, I don't think mm. it'd be that brilliant time travel, actually. Maybe into the future, that'd be good. Yes, no, the future, the future would be good, the future would be good. But anyways, it's been an absolute pleasure having you um, on the show. Um, if anyone wants to connect with you, how can they do that? Um, I'm on Facebook, obviously, under Donna Maria McCarthy. I'm always happy to friend most people. Um, um, I've got literally hundreds of friends. <laughs> I've got, I think I last count, I had about 650 friends on Facebook. Wow. I love talking to people about my books and things. So anybody can friend me on there, and I'm on Twitter, um, and I've got a hell, I've got a um, um, an author page on Hellbound, which which um which will be updated soon with other books and things. So if they look me up on Hellbound Books Publishing, they'll see me on there as well. But obviously, connect me on Facebook. I'm always happy to connect and Twitter. Okay, what's your Twitter handle? Um, let me just check. I just hopefully I don't lose you again. Let's have a look. No, that's fine. I find it quite hilarious that, uh, you know, people come here and they don't know their Twitter handles off the top of their head and they're like, oh, let me go and check. <laughs> you know, I don't even know my own phone number. I ha- I've got my phone number on my phone under me and I have to check it when people ask. <laughs> right, it's at roast. <laughs> it's at roast, as in a roast dinner, 914 okay. underscore K. So at roast. 914 underscore K. Asheros 914 underscore K. Fabulous. Um, any, last of, uh, any last words of wisdom before I... Uh, I can't even speak properly. Any last word of wisdom before I kick you out of my cafe? I do like you. Well, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, make sure you enjoy the weekends always. That'd be my parting shot. I'm really looking forward to the weekend see again. Even though I've got the flu, I think sometimes going out when you've got the flu is even better than when you haven't got the flu. <laughs> <laughs> well, winter, winter is coming. Um, any winter wonderland plans for you? <laughs> no, not really. Um, Christmas with the family, which we always do. And literally, I've left all the shopping to the last minute. I do not know what I'm doing. I haven't got a single thing in for Christmas yet, and it's just literally right around the corner. So I'm completely disorganised. So. It'll be mad shopping now. Oh, well, my house, we're not thinking about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not thinking about Christmas yet, um, just because, you know, the little human, she's turning three very soon. So we're thinking birthday oh. parties. She will be loving Christmas this year as well, because she'll really understand it. How exciting. I know, I know. So we've got we've got Winter Wonderland um, to take her to as well. So that's, that's oh, good. So that's, that's good. So now I, I feel like being a parent allows you to do more kids-like thing, um, and then you have a good justifiable reason. It's like, well, I'm taking the little one. We live it you all again. Absolutely. You're going to enjoy yourself as well. <laughs> <laughs> you pretend you're doing it for the kids, but really you're doing it for you. 
Yes, yes. But no, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Um, and I hope to see you again here sometime soon. Thank you. I really loved it. I really I was so nervous beforehand, but I've had an absolute blast with you. It's been brilliant. Well, it's been my pleasure. I think everyone that comes to the cafe, they always have a good time. I, well, I hope so anyway. <laughs> I'm sure they do. I think it's lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, until next time, have everyone. Have a lovely Christmas. You too as well. Everyone else, take care and have a good Christmas. I mean, I'm going to see you again next week, but until then, it's the Shagula Salami Show. Bye now. Bye.